Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. All right. Have you guys ever seen the movie uh, Gladiator? It's an old movie. For you young people, this was like 20 years ago. Russell Crowe. It was one of my favorite movies. Okay. When I recognize, I, I say I have a favorite movie, please understand I'm not recommending it because sometimes there's violence and it's not for everybody. One time I said, I talked about Superman when it came out and I was like, oh, it was awesome. And there was this parallel with the Holy Spirit and... This father heard and goes, oh, I'm going to take my kiss. And there was some violence. He was, like, shocked because he thought if a pastor recommends it, it's good for everybody. It's not. Just <laughs> use your discretion. Okay. So Gladiator, it was a very violent movie. I would just say that. It's not for everybody. But it was one of my favorite movies because if you remember, the protagonist, right, was the Gladiator. Russell Crowe. Uh, what was his name? General Maximus Meridus, right? Oh, and the first 10 minutes was like, oh, it was awesome. If you like violence. Again, not everybody likes violence. My wife can't watch it. But there was a scene where this general is walking, preparing his men for battle. And as he's passing, all his men stand and salutes and waits. And he says, strength and honor. They say strength and honor. Wherever he goes, you see the respect that they have for this general because he was a man of authority. And it was like he was so attractive because he was such an honorable character. And even when later on in the movie, and this is not a plot twister, but you know, you, you know it, he's a slave. And he's forced to fight. And even among the slaves, people followed him. And they, were, they, too, started saying, strength and honor, strength and honor. And it was their greeting, but I felt there was such attraction. There was something so cool about men of honor. Such character of one who has a strength and honor. You, we either want to be like them or want to be led by them or be with such people of strength and honor. You guys know what I'm talking about? So the question then is, I believe God gives strength and honor to some people. To whom does he give strength and honor? I, I see in, in this room men and women of strength and honor. But if you wonder, how can I get more strength and honor? Why or to whom does God give strength and honor? I want to give you a couple of points from our scripture. We're continuing in the book of Joshua. We're at chapter 10. And I want to bring to your attention a couple of attributes. Why or when God gives strength and honor. Joshua 10, 1 through 5. I believe it, today's translation is NIV. I forgot to note it. But please look in your own scripture and mark um, and follow along with me. 
Now, Adoni Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and were living near them. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city, like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai, and its all its men were good fighters. So Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, and Dabir, king of Eglon. Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up position against Gibeon and attacked it. So here's a backdrop. If you remember Joshua chapter 9, we had talked about how the people of Gibeon approached Israelites and fooled them. They tricked them, saying, we are people from a long distance, make a treaty with us, right? And what, what did the Israelites do? They bought the lie, they were deceived, but they took an oath because they thought they were people of the distance, made a peace treaty with them. And they, when you swear by something, you swear by something higher than you. And they swore by God's name. So even though they were tricked, they decided to honor their covenant oath. Okay? So what happened? King of Jerusalem hears about this treaty. He's upset. Because if a such city like Gibeon would make a peace treaty, surrender themselves as a servant of Israel, the oncoming attackers, what does that mean for the, all the other cities that they're going to come? You understand? It's like they're setting an example. And, and so they want to set an example. If you're going to be friends of our enemies, you're going to be our enemy. And so now this king wants to teach them a lesson. Five kings unite, make alliance to attack Gibeon and teach them a lesson. Okay. So we come here. And then um, Joshua 10, 6 through 10, then the Gibeon, verse 6. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal, do not abandon your servants. Come up, come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up to Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hands. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel, who defeated them in a great victory at Gibeon. Israel pursued them all along the the road going up to Beth Horan and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makada. All right. Their names are tough to pronounce. <laughs> Korean names are like monosyllabic. It's like one syllable. It's so easy. All right. Hebrew or something else. To whom does Lord give strength and honor? The Lord gives strength and honor to those who honor his name. I want you to know that. To those who honor his name, he honors. He strengthens. He empowers. He fights the battles along with him. 
If you remember this oath that Israel took, I mean, we talked about this a couple weeks back when we looked at Joshua 9. If you got cheated, if you got lied to, it doesn't feel good. Nobody likes being scammed, deceived, tricked, fooled, because you feel like a fool. And our natural instinct is to get them back or not honor whatever agreement. This is why attorneys make a lot of money. It's like people talk about something. Something was hidden. Something didn't really imply what they originally claimed. And so the attorneys fight about it. That's the natural tendency of the world. Joshua could have easily used this as an excuse to say, those tricksters, I don't like them. Let them be. They'll be annihilated. There'll be history. And it was as if it never happened. He could have easily let that go. But because the oath that Joshua had made with the people of Gibeon, the Lord's name was in it, the covenant name. And because of that, he decided, I am going to honor that covenant because the Lord's name is in it. Joshua 9.19, but all the leaders answered, we have given them our oath by the Lord, the Lord God of Israel, and we cannot touch them now. So, you know, it's one thing to make an agreement when it's peaceful and it's easy and it's good, right? Okay, we'll make them woodcutters. They'll make, we'll be slaves and we'll treat them poorly, but we'll let them live. We could have easily done. But they are your servants. It's a, in the Old Testament, there's a suzerain-vassal relationship. Okay, this is a, it's a master-slave relationship. It is the one who owns and has the authority. They have authority over their vassals. When we think of tyranny, we think of something bad. One person who rules over all, and it's like, it has a bad reputation. But in the model of God, He's a tyrant, one Lord, but he is good. He cares. The model that he, our God, demonstrates as a suzerain to his vassal or servant relationship is that he cares and he protects. Joshua says, the Lord's name is in that covenant. I am the people of God. I am to represent God. And he honored God's name because God's name is in them. The great I am, the holy one, the righteous one. He's like, no, his name is in that covenant. And so I will honor that covenant. Immediately, the Israelites didn't flinch. So he could have easily said, okay, they could have been annihilated and there'll be history. But no, as soon as the Gibeonites requested to Joshua, help us, we are your servants. They're recognizing their position of who they are. And the Israelites in honor of that covenant oath, took the entire army within the first 24 hours of hearing they launched at nighttime. That's awesome. I want to have a relationship with that kind of people, right? And they went to honor the covenant oath of that relationship. During there, the Lord says, do not be afraid. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. So to whom does the Lord give strength and honor? The Lord gives strength and honor to those who honor his name. To those where his name is in 
the setting, the situations, the relationship, the oath, the covenant. Those who honor his name, he honors. And there's a lesson here for that. There's a model that the world lives by. You mess with me, I will mess with you. You trick me, forget you. We cancel relationships, don't we? We cancel people who we disagree with on media or whatever it is. That is the culture today. Yet, the lesson here is even those who do wrong to us, we will honor. And when we honor them, God honors us. Completely contrary to what we are seeing in our culture. And not only does God give strength and honor to those who honor his name, God gives strength and honor to those who believe in his might. Those who believe in his power, his strength, his omnipotence of who God is, okay? So read with me from verse 11 and following. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horan to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them from the sky. And more of them died from the hailstones than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in presence of Israel, O sun, stand still over Gibeon. O moon, over the valley of Ahijalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As is written in the book of Jashar, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. So Joshua left that night to catch them by surprise in the morning. His enemies are in turmoil, confusion, and he's a attacking them. They're winning. But Joshua recognized, I need a little bit more daylight. Understand, didn't have night vision, right? They didn't have the satellites that we have. So sunlight is pretty much all they have. And so he threw up a petition, simple request, oh, sun, stand still. Simple. Supernatural, you know, requirement. Simple in words. And, you know, here's the logical side of me. Oh, Joshua, you fool, right? It's not the sun that moves. It's the earth that rotates. You don't know what you're talking about, right? But it didn't matter what Joshua knew or not knew. It's not, yeah, we might have better education about our solar system. Big deal. But it's a simple request of the servant who knew God, he didn't look at the impossibility of the sun being still or the earth to stop rotating. He just believed in God. And he lifted that simple request, and the Lord listened to that impossible request and did it. How crazy is that? I think it's pretty crazy. Because, I, you know, even when Jesus says, oh, if you have a faith of a mustard, you can tell that mountain to go and it will move, right? Any of you guys tested that? <laughs> right? Okay, somebody must have did it because there's no mountains in Florida. So it's just flat. <laughs> Anyways. They all move. 
They all moved, right? <laughs> but get this. Joshua believed in the almighty God and his power. Why? Was he that dumb? Or did he know something that we don't know? I believe Joshua saw things that we, God, can only dream of. Remember when he was young? He saw fire coming down from heaven, destroying his enemies. He saw a pillar of fire at night, pillar of cloud by day. He saw the plagues destroying his, uh, right? Red Sea splitting, walking on dry ground. And he saw that multiple times, Red Sea and, and Jordan River. He saw miracles. He knew the Almighty God was God of the heavens and the earth. There was nothing that was too difficult for him. Whoever they believed in, the other gods, and if you look at the ten plagues, they worshiped false gods, and God, in that plague, demonstrated he was God over all of them. He was teaching them a lesson of who the Almighty God was. Joshua knew that. He knew that miraculous wafers, manna from heaven, 40 years, feeding the millions of people every day. Sandals, clothes, don't wear down. You know, that might be bad for you ladies who might like to shop, but they don't wear out. You don't need to buy anymore. All right. Joshua believed in the Almighty God. And because he believed in the Almighty God and his power, he was able to request in faith, and God heard him. He gave him strength and honor because of his petitions. The problem with many of many Christians today, not from our church, <laughs> but other churches. Because I know you guys believe in the works of the Spirit. I know you guys believe in the power of miracles and because we're seeing it here. And if you are new to our church, we're seeing miraculous powers. But there are people who are recognized to be very intelligent scholars in our country, around the world, with many, many letters on their business cards, with many prestigious titles under their names. And people look to them as an authority figure. And what they're saying is, you know, God had to do miraculous powers back then because they didn't have the technology and they didn't have the Bible. This is, this is what they're teaching. God had to do that to expand the kingdom, expand the gospel, so that people would have the credibility to believe. But after the Bible was given in the 4th century, it doesn't have to do that anymore. That's what they're teaching. We call them, or they call themselves cessationists, because they believe God has ceased in his miraculous power after the 4th century. Now, they make a very intelligent-sounding argument, but let me tell you what, how foolish they are, because... It only takes one miracle to dispute that theory. You guys understand? Only one miracle. If God really stopped back then, and he doesn't need to, it only takes one miracle. And I can tell you from my personal experience, my personal family, personal friends, how many miracles I have seen with my own eyes. I have seen limbs grow. I, my broken three, I broke my nose three times and got healed instantly after 14 years. Allergy I had suffered for decades instantly healed. 
So many miracles I have personally seen and experienced. Last week, while we were gone, I heard Bruce got healed. People asked me, hey, did you hear about Bruce? And I was like, my immediate thought was, I know he's been suffering in his back. My heart dropped like, what happened? <laughs> really? It was like, what you hear? And then to hear that he was like dancing and worshiping because he was healed. Yes. Hallelujah. That's the God I worship. Here's what I'm saying. There are people who believe the God of miracles, and there are people who don't. The people who, the people who don't believe in the miracles say things like, I don't believe in miracles, or I don't believe God does it anymore because I, we don't need it, and I don't see it. Why is it that they don't see it, and people who do believe see it and over and over and over? Do you guys understand? Why is it the people who say it doesn't happen don't see it? Is it faith? It's not theology. It's faith or lack of faith because they don't believe, they don't request, they don't seek it, they don't see it. I, I would tell you that, you know, when we were in Denver, we bought a foreclosed home. It was a fixer-upper. It was horrible. Uh, gosh, it was, in hindsight being 2020, uh, our church members, when they helped us move in, they were like, uh, you're going to live here? It, it was bad. But, you know, it was one of those projects that as we were living, we are updating. Well, one project, and this has come from my cheapness, uh, we had to overhaul the, the kitchen. The, the stove was really old. It had a downdraft, and I could not find a used stove that I could find to fit, um, except just regular stove. So, uh, so here's what happened. I couldn't find the one that had a downdraft, so I was like, if I can't get a downdraft, why do I put a hood above it, but it's an island, and they had the new stainless steel-looking one. It was, like, really nice. I was like, I'll do that. That's a brilliant idea, which meant I had to go up into the attic to drill holes, install, and all that. But the place exactly above that stove was the roof rafter was, like, two feet. And if you guys ever been to the attic, it's, like, two feet. You're crawling, and you're your face is close to insulation, and it's like it makes you sneeze and itchy and horrible. So I'm drilling the hole, marking, and I'm crawling in between two rafters and balancing it, and I can't breathe because of my mask. And in frustration, I was like, I sat up. Like, oh. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So in that two feet space, the nails are sticking down from the roof, right? And the, the nails, boop, and I, I came down looking like it was Halloween. And Sarah saw the blood coming down my head, and she freaked. She about lost it. She said, why are you doing this? Hire somebody. This is not worth it. This house is not worth it. Why are you doing this? You can't do it. She said, oh, and this is the Korean style. The more they care, the more they nag. Okay, and so she cared for me so much that she was saying all kinds of things, and all I heard was, you can't do it. <laughs> Didn't matter what others she said in care and love, all I heard was, 
you can't do it. And I just stood there. I'll show you what I can do. You guys understand? Okay. The moment somebody tells me I can't do it, I have to prove that I can do it. The moment you say I can't, oh, I will prove. I will show you how wrong you are. I honestly, I felt so hurt because my wife didn't believe in me. Uh, no, the, 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 there was a heart behind it. I, I recognize now. <laughs> the heart behind it was that she cared for me so much she didn't want me to get hurt. I, I, I get that. But all I heard was, you can't do it. And I felt so disrespected, right? Can you imagine? We say we worship God, and we say, you can't do it. God, you're retired. You might have been all-powerful then, but that was 1,600 years ago. That's what the scholars are saying. And they're the ones who have authority over me because I believe in them. The moment we say, God, you can't or you don't anymore, or you are different from the Bible that we see, we're disrespecting God. That's not honor. That is not worship. That is coming against who the very nature of God that we say we worship. Sometime after that, I had a similar situation. Uh, <laughs> I was at my sister's house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it came out well, I, and I proved right. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> So I was at my sister's house, and she, her husband's not handy. So something was broken. I forget what it was. And immediately, I, I had fixed something like that in my house before. So as soon as she said, oh, this is broken, and I was like, oh, I can fix that for you. And that was my heart, right, as a brother. I can help. She goes, oh, you can't do it. <laughs> the moment she said that, something triggered in my mind. It goes, because my heart was to give, to support, to serve. But when she said, you can't do it, my immediate reaction is, yeah, you're right. I don't know what I was thinking. I can't do it. And I didn't fix it. And she never got to know whether I could or could not. Because she started the premise, you can't. And I said, sure, whatever you say. It was a self-fulfilling prophecy. In the same way in our relationship with our Lord. I think what we believe is a self-fulfilling prophecy. God, you can, because I know you can. I know you did. When we believe to that, you're the same God yesterday, today, forevermore. A God of the 2,000, 10,000 years ago, you're still the same. The holy one you are. You are the immutable. When we believe that, God says, you know who I am. We say anything different, that is dishonoring and disrespecting the nature of God. The Lord gives strength and honor to those who honor his name and to those who believe in his might. Let me tell you why that is so important. And this is not about having the right answer to right theology. Academic mindset, that's not what I'm talking about. There's a practicum of what we believe and how we will live based on what we believe. 
honestly, I can't imagine the Christians who believe God has ceased in his power, ceased in his activity, ceased in his involvement with his people. Because where is the hope? I, 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 really, that's my real question. Where is your hope? Because if you have ever gone through life situation where it was tough, and if you have not experienced the tough, serious hardships in your life, live a little. You will. Everybody. We will go through times when our job needs a miracle. Our marriage needs a savior. and You're on the rocks. Your business is ready to die. Someone we love is in a critical care. There's going to be a situation where we need a supernatural miracle. And you need hope. If you don't have hope, what are you going to pray for? What are you going to ask for if you don't have hope? If you, if you believe God doesn't work the miracles today, well, it, all you have is what the doctors and what the situation, what you can do. And it's in the natural but I believe in the supernatural God. I believe in God who listens to his people. I believe in God who is involved in his life. I believe in Jesus Christ who, who came down and says, I love you so much that I would die for you. And, I, and death could not hold him. He went down to the depths of hell to come back because the health could not hold him. That's the God I believe. Nothing can stop him because he is the almighty. That's who my hope relies on. And there is something to be, to be said about faith from our personal experience, okay? And our faith increases as we give God more opportunities and see him work in our lives. Um, I have had a lot of injuries. I don't know why. Uh, maybe it's like going in the rafters and doing stupid things. Uh, but I've had a lot of injuries because of sports, and this is legitimate. My wrist, I, I can't even count how many times I've hurt my wrist, sprained my wrist, put it on a cast or, or a splinter, all that, from wrestling, tennis, martial arts, you name it, I've heard it. So many times that um, I remember there was like late 20s, it would go out on me easily. It would just, it would just, I would serve in tennis, but the angle, it would just snap out. And it would snap out, I had no strength. Like I had to put it on a splint, I had I couldn't even pick up things. You guys know what? So it would just go out on me multiple times. And, of course, I would have a splint. And you go to the doctor enough, they know exactly what they're going to say. So you stop going to the doctor. And you just take that splint from the closet, put it on three weeks off, and you do your routine. But it used to go out on me multiple times a year. During college ministry, I was on University of Maryland ca campus. We're doing college camp. And I had awesome student leaders. We used to spend like three, four days a week together from discipleship training, leadership training, prayer meetings to our gatherings on campus. Like, we were family. We were together all the time. And God was moving in our midst, like just during our prayer meetings. There was like mini revivals. So that day when I hurt my wrist, it went out. So after the ministry, I said, hey guys, can you pray for my wrist? I, I really need prayer. I'm tired of hurting this. When we prayed, there was such anointing. I immediately expected my wrist to be like instantly healed. I really expected, but it wasn't. I was like, that's weird. I really expected God to heal me right there, but 
I still had the pain and it was still weak. Well, that night I went to bed, woke up in the morning, woke up perfectly healed. I was like, hallelujah. I shared that to the college ministry and like praise and it was awesome. But I was like, that's God, right? About a year later, went out again, as it did. But you see, I was healed miraculously. So I said, God, remember that time you healed? You listened to the prayer of my college kids, right? Do that again. Instantly heal. Happened again some years later. I said, God, you're a God yesterday, today, forevermore. You did that before. It, is, it was simple as, I just said, God, heal me. And my prayers became more simple and shorter, but God, heal me every time. What I mean is, I believe God is the same. I believe he works his power. And every time I had greater faith because I believe he healed me back then, he'll heal me again because that's the kind of God he is. And our faith increases every time. My nose, I told you I broke it three times. I had invited my uh, pastor friend who does healing ministry. And he was just being invited all over the country just to healing. And here I was inviting this pastor to teach them about healing. And so, like, do your thing, you know. That's what we do. <laughs> do your thing, pastor, because you're the guest. We're going to pay you, and, you know, you're going to be a source of blessing. But he did a completely different where we're just, like, invite the spirit, and he's teaching, enabling every person in that room just to pray for one another, minister to one another, and we were just getting healed. And he had nothing to do with it. He was just teaching us, and we're just doing it. Things I didn't even ask for. Like, I broke my nose three times. I was congested for, like, over 10 years. One nostril for the longest time. But, you know, it's like having a heavy backpack all day, and you forget how heavy it is until you take it off, and you're like, whew, right? I was so used to my broken nose, one nostril congested all my life, that I didn't know what it was like to breathe both. But as the Lord was ministering, pop. I was like, I can breathe. <laughs> I was like, oh, God healed me supernaturally. What else did he do? Well, during that time, I was praying for healing of my allergies. How do you know if you're healed from allergy? Well, the peach would make me swell up. So I, would, I went and bought a peach. And this is faith, guys. How do you know you're healed unless you test it? Yeah, right? <laughs> I know. I was nervous, too. <laughs> small sliver eating. I'm good so far. Another small sliver I'm eating. I'm not. I'm eating peaches now. God heals today. God does not change. God is not intimidated by our request. He doesn't go, Phew, that was a hard one. Sun stop. You know what that's required? There was a joke where the guy goes, God, I want to understand woman. I want to understand my wife. He goes, you know how hard that is? That's an impossibility. Give me something else. He goes, okay, I want a highway or sun stop. He goes, okay, I'll stop the sun. <laughs> Anyways. Whatever. I'm not a jokester. I'm a preacher. All right. All right. Let me just conclude. The Lord gives strength and honor 
to those who honor his name. Not only to those who honor his name, but to those who believe in his might, his attributes, his character, who he is. And Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, God himself came to show us who he is. He is the Almighty. He is the loving. And he is sacrificial. He is the most perfect tyrant. And he doesn't just call you his servant. He says, you are my son. Heirs and co-heirs with him in heaven. That's who we believe. That's our hope. And our hope is not for when we die, guys. As some people believe. I believe God is involved in our this life. And God came to give us life to the abundance. That's this life and the next. Not just the eternal, but this life. Amen? So that's the God you have to believe. You have to wait for his strength and honor. Because that's who you are. Strength and honor, church. Right? We rise. And I invite the prayer team. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all of this sounds like just motivational speech. I, that's not what I'm about. I, I want you to experience life to the abundance that Jesus talked about that he comes to give you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm not going to be naive and to say, hey, everybody, I don't know. And that's the condition of your heart. If that's you, please come receive ministry from the prayer team. If you need healing, Man, Bruce, I should have you come up here because there's anointing upon him. He just got healed. He's been suffering. God healed him last week. That's awesome. There's a testimony to that, and we believe in that authority. But that's who we believe. God, God has healed people in this church, and that's who we are, and that's the church that we believe. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.